Welcome to the Feeding and Leading Podcast, featuring Todd Fisher and Andy Taylor, a podcast for church leaders focusing on expository preaching, pastoral leadership, and ministry. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Feeding and Leading. I am Andy Taylor. I'm the East Central Regional Ministry Partner for Oklahoma Baptist, and as always... I am joined by my good friend and the executive director of Oklahoma Baptist, Dr. Todd Fisher. Todd, are you recovering? Sort of. Almost there. Okay, good. Man, we're like coming up on like 40 of these. Can you believe that we've recorded that many of these? It's amazing, actually. I'm really excited for this one because of our guests. I am too. And I want to tell you a little story. He's one of my favorite people. Me too. Uh, Yeah. Do you remember Todd? We were in seminary, and we did an evangelism class together. Yes. And one of the, one of the projects was we had to go, we had to go <laughs> interview a big-time pastor, or, or any yeah. pastor. Yeah. And, and somehow I got in to see Tom Elliff. Mm-hmm. And I called you, and I said, I got in to see Tom Elliff. And, and you said, can I come? <laughs> do you remember this? I do remember Okay, this. so we end up in Tom Elliff's um, in his office at First Southern Dell City when he was the pastor there. And um, in the midst of all this talking to him, and we're just new preacher boys, and we're enamored with the mm-hmm. fact that we're sitting here talking with Tom Elliff. And one of us asked the question, Dr. Elliff, if you want to be a good preacher, what, yeah. do you, what do you do? And he said, if you boys, if you want to be good preachers, you listen to good preaching. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him, so tell us somebody that would be a and good preacher to listen to. And, I, of course, mm-hmm. I thought he was going to say, you know, tell me how to listen to him. And he said, you need to listen to Ted Kirsch. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. That's what he said. Oh, yeah. my. And I so I was the pastor at Trinity Baptist in Chickasha, and I went back, and I called Village Baptist Church, and I talked to the secretary, and I asked her how much money would it cost me, <laughs> listen to this, to get cassette tapes to listen to Dr. Ted Kirsch every month. And she said, you don't worry about that. Every month I'm going to send you a bundle of four cassette tapes that had the morning and evening sermons. Oh, my. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. That's where I learned to do expository mm-hmm. preaching. And so it is just our great honor today Absolutely. to have uh, Dr. Ted Kirsch with us. There's a verse that comes to mind when I think of you, brother, and it's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. It says this, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of, the, of their way of life and imitate their faith. Oh my. And there have been so many young pastors, and there still are today, that look to people like Tom Elliff and like Ted Kirsch, and we're just grateful for you. Well, thank you, Andy. I'm I'm just honored to be here. Tell tell us tell us about where all you've pastored in Oklahoma. Yeah, well, we pastored several places actually, and uh, the Lord was awfully good to us. Let us let us pastor some wonderful churches. I started out uh, up in Commerce, Oklahoma. Uh, and the Southeast Baptist Church of Commerce, the home of Mickey Mantle, you know. Amen. <laughs> and uh, so, so I started there, and while I was going to college, uh, eventually uh, ended up uh, in Durant, 
and uh, finishing college in Durant, uh, pastored some smaller churches during that time. Uh, had the opportunity to go to the uh, First Baptist Church of Barnstall, yeah. Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And, and I really kind of look at that as the beginning. You know, uh, that's where God introduced me to some great people uh, that blessed me and encouraged me. I've often said uh, that every pastor ought to get to start at First Baptist Church Barnesdall. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, they loved me and they cared for me. And uh, and to this, I've been back for a couple of meetings, Bible conferences and revivals and things. And, and it, there's, it's still got a soft place in my heart. Sure. You know, just a, just a wonderful place. Uh, and anyway, the Lord eventually brought us to the Oklahoma City area, and uh, I was trying to figure out how to finish my education, and, and I was uh, thinking about that when I was driving here, actually. And I'd started Southwestern uh, back in 73, uh, and that's when we were having some challenges, you know, in our schools, mm-hmm. and I was really disappointed and all of that. And I was talking to uh, Dr. Tanner one day. <laughs> and and Dr. Tanner said to me, he said, what are you going to do about seminary? I said, well, Dr. Tanner, I don't know. I said, I'm pretty disappointed. I've been through a couple of semesters, actually three semesters. I'd picked up a little more training at OBU, and the uh, seminary was coming there. And mm-hmm. so I'd, I'd been a part of that. And I said, I just don't know. He said, well, let me tell you about a place. And he told me about Luther Rice Seminary. Mm. And I began to research that and, and found out that, that a lot of wonderful men had come from there. And so I ended up going to Luther Rice Seminary, finished my master's there. Uh, my, my dad uh, was working for our denomination. I uh, finished up my master's and uh, was home uh, after that. And dad called me and he said, uh, are, are you going to do a doctorate? And I said, oh, I don't know, dad. I'm, I'm pretty tired. He said, well, here's the deal. He said, if you'll do the work, I'll pay the bill. <laughs> and so he, I said, I will do the work. Yeah, so I, good deal. So Get it was up. a good deal, man. <laughs> so I called my seminary and jumped back in and finished up the doctor ministries there. Uh, and then had an opportunity to plant the Trinity Baptist Church in Yukon, and mm-hmm. the Lord blessed that. Eventually ended up at uh, the Village Baptist Church, was there for 14 years. Uh, had a wonderful time, and then went to the Tulsa area, ended up at the South Tulsa Baptist Church, was there for nine years, uh, and retired from there about almost nine years ago now, 2015. Uh, we retired from there and have been involved then, since then, been involved in coaching pastors. My wife's been involved in coaching pastors' wives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for 45 years, uh, I was a pastor, uh, and uh, for over half of that, uh, I was pastor at the Village Baptist Church and South Tulsa Baptist Church. And, and a lot of Oklahomans don't know you You planted, you started Trinity Yukon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're the founding pastor of that church. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people don't know that. Yeah. That's really uh, cool. That's a really yeah. strong there, church today. There's another thing a lot of people that are listening don't know, and they have no idea who Bill Tanner is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the true. majority of our listeners don't know who yeah. Bill Tanner yeah. is. Absolutely. Dr. Yeah. Tanner was uh, the executive director of Oklahoma Baptist Four execs ago, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Incredible and you know, man. He, he just had such a, uh, like our present exec, uh, like Todd, <laughs> uh, Dr. Tanner had such a heart for pastors. Yeah. He just right. loved pastors, he and uh, he yeah. was he was such a blessing to me. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and now, Ted, you're... You're doing the coaching thing, but you're also preaching still. You're you're filling in. I, I am. I, I see. And if you're on uh, social media, you should follow Ted because Ted put some stuff there on Facebook and things. And you're 
You're still preaching, filling the pulpit. Yeah, the Lord's been good to me. Uh, this last Sunday, I was at the Two Lakes Baptist Church out in Bethany. Bethany. Love, yeah. love being with those yeah. guys. Yeah. Man, it was a great one. They were so responsive. And then Sunday night, I preached for Stephen Rummage at Quail. Uh, we're members at Quail. I'm not a very good member. I, Stephen would probably <laughs> like to have some others that were better members than I. As long as you tithe. But I give them a tithe, yeah, you know. You and uh, But, uh, yeah, we're still getting to preach and uh, getting to do a few things like that, and we're thankful. Written, really, a, really written thankful. a couple of books. Wrote a couple couple of books. Yeah. And, uh, he did a great book on, on training deacons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right. He had a knothead wrote the uh, forward for Oh, it was great. That, but... It was great. <laughs> a guy named Taylor wrote yeah. that forward for yeah. no. it's, yeah. it's because I know one of those. He, he, uh, Ted came and did deacon training for in two churches that I pastored, and it was outstanding, guys. Uh, th- there's nothing like having a pastor talk to your deacons about and encouraging them to come and support and equip you and, and, and help you. So, yeah, good stuff. So, Ted, one of the one of the major reasons we wanted to have Ted on on this episode on our podcast was to talk about longevity, mm-hmm. tenure. This is something that I think is critically important. And in and, and my role in the last 20 months, boy, I have really seen the importance of it. One of the things I've observed in, in visiting all these churches and being all these churches is – a church that I go into that's really strong. So this is a strong church. It's a healthy church. It's vibrant. They're reaching their community. Um, I am beginning to discover that in those churches there are some common denominators, mm-hmm. and one of those common denominators is when I go to a church that fits that description, that pastor's probably been there at least 10 years. Yeah, yeah. And that's a whole probably another episode of, you know, pastors, when they're there that long, they they either outlive, outlast, or change the mind of the yeah. opposition, you know. <laughs> but you build such relationships and stuff. So we want to talk to you about your advice, your experience, what you would have to say to pastors mm-hmm. about longevity. Absolutely. And not just longevity as in a, a long tenure at a single church, but mm-hmm. also longevity in the ministry mm-hmm. because you were you've been so faithful through your whole career and so we want to just kind of pick your brain and we think the things we'd love for you to just share brother just sure. kind of talk to us so um just kind of starting that off if if you if we all know all the pastors listening there are a lot of highs and lows in pastoring and it's a seasonal thing you got seasons of fruit you got seasons of uh, hard, dry times. Um, how, what what sustained you um, thinking thinking maybe in both of those tenure at a church at a single church and then just over all the years of ministry when you felt down when you were discouraged those hard times. Yeah. What 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 sustained you? How did you do that? Well, first of all, I'm I'm really thrilled that we're. It, it seems we're kind of moving into a stage. Uh, where pastors are staying longer. I agree. And I love that. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that. I I don't know all that's caused that, but whatever it is, I think it's a good thing. And I'm thankful for that. When I look back on my ministry, I look back to the places like Village and South Tulsa and uh, and, and you know, I, I believe I was in God's will every place I got to serve and all of that. But if I just kind of look back and said, God, here's what I think would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. It would have been to be in a place like Village all my life, mm-hmm. or South Tulsa all my life, just just to be there. And you're right, Todd, in that that there are those times 
that you just wonder, how am I going to get through today? Mm-hmm. How am I going to do that? And and I at some point in my life, one of the things that God did, and, and it's interesting, um, Andy, uh, you spent that time with Tom, and and Tom made that statement about here preachers. Um, I, I, I think it's also true if pastors somehow and can can surround themselves by other men that are doing it well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you force yourself into their life, because they'll they'll listen to you. The, the Tom Ellis around, they'll open the mm-hmm. doors of their office. Yeah. They want to mm-hmm. do that, uh, and I kind of did that. There were some people around that I just kind of forced myself into their life. The the Ron Duns of this mm-hmm. world, Ron. Sure. Some of our younger guys won't know Ron, which sure. is really sad. Yeah. Uh, greatest preacher I ever heard in my life, mm-hmm. and and such a great man. The Tom Ellis, the Bill Ellis. The Bob Ages, mm-hmm. who was at OBU for those years, all those kind of people, uh, and and, it, and and all of them would come back to, you got to find a way to stay in tune with the Lord mm-hmm. when when things are good, when things are bad, when things are hard, uh, and and I got to I got to thinking about that, and and probably John fifteen for me, mm. and my life verse is Galatians two twenty. Mm-hmm. I, I've I've just mm-hmm. lived on that. That's just where I've been, my life. But but John 15 for my ministry. I love this. Uh, Jesus says, "I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, He prunes so it may bear more fruit." Well, I I knew I wanted to bear fruit, and I I didn't think that bearing fruit was just me living like Christ. I I I believed that bearing fruit was winning people to Christ discipling them, baptizing them, growing them, winning some more. Uh, that, that just became my life. And so he, he goes ahead and says this, You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me. Mm-hmm. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, lest it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. So I, I had to figure out how to do that. How do do you do that? How do you abide? The word abide means to continue. It means to dwell. It's a lot like marriage. You know, you Mm -hmm. you abide in a person. Mm -hmm. They abide in you. And so he says, if I abide in him, that I'll bear fruit. And then he says this, and this, boy, this was so important to me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. And then he said this, for apart from me, you can do nothing nothing yeah mm-hmm. boy wow. that was the key for me wow apart from me you can do nothing and he didn't say you could do kind of a decent job he right. said you can do nothing right you can't do anything you can't pastor you can't be a husband you can't be a dad you 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 can't be an administrator you mm-hmm. won't have wisdom you'll so this thing of abiding in Christ for me be- became a passion um, have I learned all about it? No. Mm. I'm still learning about it, mm. still trying to learn about it, still trying to figure it out. But but if I just kind of sat down and said, you know, what was it that kept me there for those years? Mm. What was it that, that kept me? I, I remember uh, when I was a senior uh, at Southeastern State in Durant, and I was finishing up, and they, they brought me in for a degree check, you know, <laughs> and— uh, at that degree check, the, the, the lady, and, and she was being kind because, you know, that's a big education school, teacher school. And I wasn't getting a teacher certificate. I was getting a degree in history, and I was going to seminary. 
and uh, a minor in psychology and sociology, and, and I was just going to college, so I'd go to seminary. Hmm. Um, and, uh, but the lady said to me, she was looking over, and she said, Ted, you don't have what you need for a teaching certificate. And I said, no, ma'am, I said, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to get a teaching certificate. And, and, and she said, well, well, I said, well, I'm a pastor. And, and, and very kindly, she said to me, well, what are you going to fall back on? Mm. <laughs> and I said to her, well, ma'am, all I know is Jesus. Mm. That's all I've got to fall back on. Mm. Well, I think that's what that's about. Yes, sir. Yes, it's, sir. It's, it's coming to that place in your life. Where, where the pastor says, the man says, I have got to abide in him because if I will, he says I'll bear fruit. Mm-hmm. So I can tell if I'm abiding. Right. I'll mm-hmm. be bearing. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but if I'm not abiding in him, I can do nothing. And so that, that kind of became the theme of my life and, and our family and my preaching and, and everything was just built on, okay, how do I abide mm-hmm. in him? And, and I think, Todd, that had an awful lot to do with, because, you know, when, when we abide, his, his, his character becomes our character. His desires become our desires. You know, he, he deals with us. He speaks to us, all those kind of things. Uh, and, I, and I think that was a, a big part of being able to stay somewhere those years and being able to one day when the Lord spoke to me and said, okay, it's time to retire and go into some other areas of ministry to be able to look back 45 years and say, wow, mm. Lord, we, you, did, you did what your word said you would do. You and real, real quick, too, to just kind of practically thinking, you know, you, you pastored some very large churches, uh, very demanding schedule. Talk, talk just a minute about how you guarded that time to, to abide, mm-hmm. your, your own personal quiet time, devotional time. Because yeah. pastors, boy, they get yanked on all the time on that, and it's real easy for a pastor to kind of not make the time, not yeah. have the time. I'm yeah. using air quotes. Kind of talk right. a little bit about how sure. you guarded that. Well, and it, and I think it's true. You know, it'd be easy for us to get down on one another, you know, mm-hmm. and, and say, well, go have your quiet time, you know. Sure. But, but, man, it's demanding, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I, I, I do think one of the blessings that the Lord gave me and, and I just, I praise him for this. Um, I don't require much sleep. Mm. I, I, I really don't. And, and that was awesome going to school and working on a doctorate, <laughs> writing a dissertation, <laughs> right. you know, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. But more than that, my, my time with the Lord is the early morning hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I, I pick that up as I, and I know, you know, and my wife, Jerry, is not an early morning person. She's a night person, and so her time with the Lord is a little different than mine. And I know there are pastors that are that way, and that's fine. I, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, not, mm-hmm. I'm not being critical of that. But, you know, I, I read about the, the lives of Spurgeon, and, and I, I knew about the life of Tom Elliff and Bill and Ron Dunn and Stephen Olford. And mm-hmm. all, those, all those men just had early morning hours with the Lord. Yeah. Uh, Stephen just, uh, I was so blessed to be under his ministry, and he just really, he just guarded those hours. So, so I found for me that the early morning hours were the times I could be with God. And, and, and boy, I just, I just guarded that. I, mm. uh, if, if men um, wanted to have breakfast with me, I, would, I, wouldn't, I, I didn't hesitate to say, yeah, I can do that, but not till after 
six thirty right. or whatever. Right. I, uh, I I tried to be with the Lord by about five o'clock every morning, and and sometimes before that, and and that's still. I mean, this morning I was I was with the Lord at four o'clock this morning. That's mm-hmm. kind of, and, and it's it's just kind of who I am, mm-hmm. the way I operate now. But I really tried to guard those early morning hours, and and I I think what a pastor needs to do is he he needs to find that part of the day where he's he's the best, where he's the sharpest, and 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 put that on his calendar mm. to where he's. My calendar used to just say time with the Lord mm. in those mm. days, and I would and my secretary saw that. And somebody would call and say, "Can Pastor Ted do so and so, so and so?" And she'd say, "Let me check his calendar." And and if it said time of the Lord, she said he's already got another appointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, good. That's and good. and so I I think that's good. I, I think if a if a guy will find that time and let his church know, um, mm-hmm. uh, my church always knew that <clears throat> early of the morning was was my time to pray and my time to to be with the Lord. Um, and and they helped me protect that. That's good. They helped me with that. So I think it's good. I don't think you ought to hide that. I, yeah. I think a guy ought to, ought to really guard that time and then let his people know that's where he is of a morning yeah. or of an evening or whenever that's going to be. That's good. Yeah. Ted, this is, uh, this is just fascinating to me. I, I want you just very briefly to talk about the place of the Word in your quiet time because I'm looking at your open Bible right now. <laughs> I already took a picture of it. <laughs> there, there's not, there's very few places on that Bible that are not marked, words written, Bible verses, arrows, different color. I'm not even sure how he reads the text. <laughs> it's, I, it's just buried in there somewhere. So just, and obviously, John 15, 5 is huge about that, oh, it, you yeah. know, abiding in the Word and the yeah. Word abiding in you. W- would you talk about your time with the Lord and just, just the Word for just a minute? Yeah. Uh, I I uh, I don't even have the word to say on how I love the Word of God. Um, God's word to me was abs- is absolutely my life, um, and so I one of the things that God showed me very early in ministry was. If, if we were going to be successful, we had to be practical. Mm-hmm. And if, if we were going to be successful, we had to be practical. And, and I began to really ask the Lord to show me how to teach the Bible and be practical. Yeah. That the people could hear something on Sunday they could live by on Monday. Yep. Uh, and so as mm. I did that... I, I begin to in my own in my own personal quiet time. Uh, I I begin to circle things and underline things and and study every verse even in my quiet time, uh, like I was going to preach it. Now when I got around to eventually preaching, I was going to study it deeper. Yeah. But but my my quiet time is a is a serious study time, um, and uh, I mean, I'm looking right here at John fourteen thirteen. Uh, and the text says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Yeah. 
and and I've written all over that, and I, I I've got a lot of stuff there. That word "ask" means to call for whatever you call for in my name, that I will do. The, the word "so that" stand out, so that the Father may be glorified. God's not interested in my prayers just for me. He's interested in my prayers so God can be glorified. And so I think Andy, when as as far as my time with the Word, it was always, how do I live by that? How do I do that? And 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 then what and that's am I literally what you've got written in your Bible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's what do I do yeah. to do that? Uh, how do I live that? How do I abide? How do I how do I ask yeah. and how do I pray that the Father may be glorified? So everything for me was practicality, not just theology. I wanted my theology to be clear. There were times I wanted to teach theology, but why? Yeah. Why teach theology? Why did I want yeah. the people to understand? soteriology? Why did I want mm-hmm. them to understand ecclesiology? Why why do that? Yeah. And so I think the Lord, just in his sovereign grace and will, he, he really put in me a heart for practical Christian living. And so as you, you know, as you go through my Bible and you look at stuff, that's what's there. Yeah. Everything is about the practical Christian life. And that, that is why Ted Kirsch has had this great longevity mm-hmm. in in ministry. Yeah, we and we we talk a lot about that when we talk about expositional preaching, the indicative, the imperative. Uh, this is all stuff we're supposed to live out, not just know. We need to know it, but right. we got to obey it. Yeah, and exactly. that's got to start with us. And we talked recently about when you're a pastor and you're studying your sermon, one of the first questions you got to ask before you look at this text and you're in a commentary or something about saying, oh, man, that'll preach. Mm-hmm. Pastor's got to be asking himself, before I call my people to obey this, how do, how do I, I need do to be That's obeying right. this in That's my right. own life? Ted, I'm going to ask you this now. Um, I think one of the things that impacts pastoral longevity is just uh, the the scars and the bruises and the abuse you can take. Let's yeah. just let's just face yeah. it. Call it that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and a lot of a lot of lay people don't understand this. And if you haven't been a pastor, you don't you don't know this. But mm-hmm. we around this table know this, and most of the guys listening to this right now they know it. Know yeah. this, but. Every time you get chewed out, every time you go through some difficult thing at church, you know, it just takes a little chunk out of you. And what a lot of people don't understand is that has a cumulative effect, Mm -hmm. almost like a layering. And if a pastor just goes through this, you know, for five years, eventually he's going to feel kind of smothered. So I'd love for our guys to hear what how just you speak to that a little bit. Yeah. How did how did you navigate criticism and and those painful times and mm-hmm. not letting it take such a toll on you that you just quit? Yeah, you know. Yeah. And what you've already said, obviously, about abiding is the key foundation of that. But in your experience as a pastor, when you went when you were leading a church through a hard time, when you were dealing with criticism. How did you handle that? Yeah. You know, I I, uh, uh, I I was thinking about that from one of the earlier questions uh, that uh, Andy sent me. I remember, and, and this kind of became a pattern, I remember one particular time, and you guys mentioned Tom Elliff uh, a few moments ago, one particular time in my ministry uh, while I was at Village, uh, I was experiencing some, some great criticism, mm-hmm. some tough criticism, um, and, 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 and I 
I, I won't talk a lot about it because <laughs> some people would figure it out, you know. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, and I don't want that. But uh, I, I was I was receiving some great criticism. Well, I called Tom one day. We're good friends, and mm-hmm. and I called him one day, and I said, "Hey, can I come by and see you?" He said, "Sure." And so I went over, and sat down in his office, and I told him about the criticism, and his first question was, "Is it true?" Mm-hmm. I said, "No, it's not." He said, "You're not lying to me, are you?" I said, "No, <laughs> it's not true." He said, "All right, what are you going to learn from it?" Mm. And and out of that, I, I kind of came away from that conversation saying, okay, with criticism, first of all, there's some of it that may be true. Right, right. Sure. Some may be true. So if it's true, I need to admit that. Mm-hmm. I need to ask why. I, I need to deal with that. But for the for the most part, it's not true. Mm-hmm. So that being the case, God allowed it. So that being the case, what am I going to learn from that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did it come? What, and I think I think that that's that's important, and and I think when you do that, then it's easier to lay it down. Mm. Then then you can say, okay, I learned that. Here's what God taught me from that. And I think also with criticism, it's 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 really good to be very honest, go to the source of the criticism, mm-hmm. and maybe to say to them, you know, I've I've been listening real carefully to what you've been saying. Let me tell you what God's taught me through mm. through this criticism that's come my way from you. Mm-hmm. And you didn't say it was right or wrong. I think to go to the guy and, and try to defend yourself, whatever, never helps. Mm-hmm. So, so you didn't say it was right or wrong. I think all you said was, I just want you to know what God's taught me. Mm. And here's some things going to change about me. Mm-hmm. You didn't say the criticism was right. You didn't say it was wrong. All you said was, this is what's going to change about me mm-hmm. because of that. Uh, and I, I tried to do that over the years. And then um, I think once you've done that, was it true? Do I need to change things about me? Or what have I learned about it? I think then you lay it down. I think then you say, okay, that's fulfilled its purpose. There was a purpose there. God brought it. God allowed it. So it's fulfilled its purpose. So why would I need to keep that around? Mm. And and then I think you can then I think you can lay it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think part of the problem, you're exactly right, Todd, in that, boy, criticism comes and it stacks up. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing we know, that's all we're thinking about. And that's, that's all we're right. going through rather that's than... Right getting in God's Word, getting ready to preach, mm-hmm. going out winning people to Jesus, making the visits you need to make, being the pastor you need to be. Uh, so I, I think if you can can look at some of that and say, okay, is it true? What do I need to change uh, about me? And then what have I learned from mm. this? That's good. That's good. What wisdom. have I learned? And even mm-hmm. write it down. I used to keep lots of yeah, notes. right. I used that's to keep good. lots of notes and write things down. Here's what was said. Here's what I did. Um you know, um, Bob Agee, I mentioned Dr. Agee uh, a few moments ago. Dr. Agee taught me a lot about how to handle criticism. Hmm. Uh, and basically, it was how he did it. Mm-hmm. I used to watch, I was, I was on the board of trustees at OBU, was mm-hmm. chairman of the board for a while. And so I got to spend a lot of time with Dr. Agee during those years I was chairman of the board of trustees. Um, and I remember one particular incident we had uh, that we, we had a student that we were going to have to dismiss. And, and, and this individual was quite a ways along with her education, and we'd gone through all the books and all the records, and there wasn't anything else we could do. Um, and so uh, Dr. Agee was bringing the individual's parents to his office, and he called me, and he said, I'd like for you to come be here. And so I, I went. And, and 
uh, I heard Dr. A.G. ask these parents, he said, what would you like me to do? Hmm. He just sat there. Hmm. And they said, well, Dr. A.G., we would like for you to do so-and-so and keep our, our individual here, forgive these things, all mm-hmm. this stuff. Dr. A.G. said, you know, I'd like to do that, but I can't, and you need to know why. Mm. And he took them through the material. Mm-hmm. Here's why I can't do that. Mm. So we got through that situation, and everybody was gone but, but Dr. A.G. and I. And I said, Dr. A.G., I said, you, you asked an interesting question there today. That taught me a lot. He said, what's that? I said, when you ask, what would you like me to do? He said, well, you know, he said, I always ask that question when criticism comes to me. What would you like me to do? And he said, it's interesting. He said, sometimes what people would like me to do, I can do. Mm-hmm. But he said, sometimes I can't. And so when, I, when, when the answer is I can't do that, then I'm, I'm quick to say to them, you know, I wish I could do that, but I can't. Hmm. And here's why. Wow. So I just kind of started using that question. You know, people would come to me with criticism about me or about the, the church or another person. I would say, what would you like me to do? Hmm. Uh, and sometimes they had a pretty good idea, yeah. you know, and I'd hey, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that. But to be quite honest, most of the time they didn't know what they right. wanted me to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, well, you know, I said, you don't know what you want me to do, so I can't do that. Yeah, I've got to do something. <laughs> yeah, and here's what I'm going to do, and yeah. here's why. Yeah, um, that's good. And, and, that's gold. And so, that's very so, good. Ted. Oh that's man, good. Bob Ag, I, I oh, yeah. oh what a, a what a prince. Yeah, what He's a prince. A and uh, yeah. uh, in fact, I I still through Facebook here from Dr. Ag from yeah. time to time. I I appreciate him yeah. greatly. He's yeah. still going. He's still that's got right, it going. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. A lot of conflict uh, seems to be. Sometimes the um, the impetus mm-hmm. for pastors either leaving a church or leaving ministry altogether, and so that's just so incredibly helpful. Now, anybody who knows Ted Kirsch knows that you're a family man. <laughs> you love Jerry. Oh, she uh, she's my sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. You love your kids. How in, in those tough times of of all the, uh, the years of hanging in there, of going through conflict or big projects, or you're just down or whatever, how did your family play a role in yeah. your longevity in ministry? Well, our family was so much a part of the church and what we did. And, of course, today the kids are all involved. Both the boys are involved in, in churches being pastors, and, and our daughter's involved in a new church plant now, she and her husband and family. And so they're all involved. Jerry and I met. Uh, we were I was 16. Jerry was 17. She was the older woman in my life. <laughs> and, uh, so we were 16 and 17, and uh, we started dating, and we— to be quite honest, we fell in love on our first date, and we kept dating, and we're still dating. Uh, mm-hmm. We, you know, we've been married 53 years now. Wow. Uh, be 54 years in August, and uh, a couple of years ago, she went through a tough time, mm-hmm. and and uh, I, I really thought I was going to lose her. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I came to the place in my life where I just said, Lord, I, I, I can't watch her suffer. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do that. I, if it's your plan, I can make it with you without her, but I, I, 
I can't watch her suffer. And the Lord miraculously brought the right doctors and the right mm. people. And so today she's doing really well, and we're, we're really thankful for that. So we kind of grew up in ministry. She was there when I was called to preach. We were, we were already dating. Uh, she, she had a wonderful pastor. Uh, she loved her pastor. She learned to play the piano from her pastor's wife. Mm. Jerry says she grew up wanting to be a pastor's wife. Well, she just wanted to do that. <laughs> wow. and, 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 and so all of our life, we, we had that, that wonderful opportunity. But one time early in our ministry, uh, we were going through some, some struggles. And um, I was talking to my dad about it. And, uh, of course, Dad had been a pastor and then worked for our denomination. And um, I, was, I was talking to Dad, and, and he gave me some great advice. Then he said this. He said, son, he said, don't, don't let your kids know about this problem. He said, he said I'm going to tell you something. He said, uh, your mother and I made a commitment to the Lord that we were going to teach you and your sister to love the church. Amen. Mm-hmm. And yes. we weren't going to talk about the challenges yep. and the difficulties in front of you. And, we ne- yep. and when I thought yep. back about that, I never heard my mom and dad. I never knew you'd have a church problem until I was a pastor. <laughs> you know? I mean, I didn't know about those things. And, and what a so, gift. Oh, man. And so we did that the best we could. Probably didn't do it as well as mom and dad did. But we did it the best we could with our kids. We, yeah. we just didn't talk about church difficulties and challenges. And, and, and when they came up that they were aware of them, we'd sit down at home and, and deal with that at home and talk about what Jesus would do and how Jesus would grow us. And we never allowed the church stuff to become a reason not to be there. That's so good. Uh, and, but another thing we did, too, and, and Jerry was so good at this, um, we never let the church be a burden to the kids. Mm. You know, we did a lot of Bible conferences. Ron Dunn came every year for 25 years, and we did those conferences, and we had a lot of things going on, a lot of training and discipleship. But if the kids had something else that they wanted to do, say we were doing a, a Bible conference, and we were there Sunday through Wednesday, and, and something came up that the kids wanted to be a part of at school or mm-hmm. with some friends, particularly when they were teenagers, I'd say go do that. Mm-hmm. Go do that. The church is not a burden to you. You're, you're mm-hmm. going to be there Sunday. You're going to be there Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But hey, Monday and Tuesday, take a break. Go mm-hmm. do that. Uh, so they never, they never saw the church as a burden. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think that was an important thing. And and then another thing that we tried to do, uh, and and at being a pastor, you're in a little different situation than your people are, and this is a blessing. I I knew a lot of godly people, and those people would come to our church. And do things, and so we always made arrangements that our kids would be with those godly people. Yeah. And and I remember when when uh, Ron Dunn passed away, uh, my boys wept over that mm. because he was so close to them. They knew mm. that every Sunday when Ron came, we were going to have lunch together, and he loved my boys. He cared for them, and so as as all three of the children grew up, we introduced them to godly people. Mm-hmm. And they watched them preach, and they watched them live. And, and so we, we tried to have them around people that were real, mm-hmm. that really knew the Lord. And folks that weren't, we, we explained that. We tried to help them understand that. But we really tried to introduce them to what real Christianity is. That's really good. Um, Boy, and, that's I think, and I think today— shoulders. Oh, yeah. I, I think today we're seeing the, the, the benefit of that, Absolutely. the blessing of that. That's well, Ted, th- this has been so rich. Yes. Oh, this has joy. been so good. And um, listen, there's so many 
pastors out in in Oklahoma and probably in lots of other places that uh, are just grateful for you yeah. and thankful for your influence, thankful for the opportunity to rub shoulders with you. And, uh, and you've been so open and giving with that and uh, just mm. so thankful for it. And um, just want to say thank you for well, being with us today. My goodness. Thank you, guys. It's such a joy to be here, uh, to be with both of you. I, I thank God for you. Thank deeply. you, brother. Thank you, brother. Good stuff. Thanks for being such a great example of faithfulness to so many people. Thank you, thank you brother. All right. That's uh, going to wrap it up for this episode. I know that you found this episode encouraging and helpful. I know. So we'll uh, see you next time. This episode of Feeding and Leading has been brought to you by the Cooperative Program and Oklahoma Baptist. Visit us at oklahomabaptist.org or your preferred podcast platform. Oklahoma Baptist, advancing the gospel together.